inflation, the cost of living crisis, an ongoing war in Ukraine, a UK leadership vacuum, supply chain headaches, and just whisper it, the possibility of a looming recession. It's fair to say there is plenty occupying the minds of marketers, agency heads, and media owners this summer, aside from trying to keep cool during a record-breaking British heatwave and paranoia over school holiday plans. As temperatures soar, there are legitimate concerns that marketing and advertising budgets will soon cool down, alongside an uncertain economic outlook. In fact, some doomsayers are worried that ad spend could fall off a cliff in 2023 after what has been a robust recovery from the depths of the pandemic. I'm Arvin Hickman, and on today's campaign podcast, we're going to take a look at what lies ahead for the industry and the IPA's latest Bellwether report, which provides valuable insights into marketers' plans. I'm joined by Campaign's UK Editor-in-Chief Gideon Spanier, the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising Director-General Paul Bainsfair, and the Seven Stars Client Planning Partner, Vicky Crouch-Marlow. Welcome to you all. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Gideon, you've recently written a column about Adland bracing for thrifty times and posing the question about whether the industry can avoid a recession. What are industry leaders telling you and should we all be concerned? Well, I think the first thing to say is that there's no imminent sign of a recession, and uh, in particular, not for agencies. So I think we should be positive about that. We're going to hear from Paul about the Bellwether report. But the line about Adland bracing for thrifty times was inspired by the Advertising Association summer reception drinks, which were a few days ago. And Alessandra Bellini, who's the chief customer officer at Tesco, She was talking about the fact that when Tesco, Britain's biggest supermarket, when they talk internally about how to help and support their customers, that we're at the start of thrifty times. And uh, on the day that we're recording this podcast, we've had a new revised inflation figure for the UK of 9.4% for Mm. food and fuel. So uh, on the one hand, uh, it's a really tough time uh, and it's a tough time for consumers. I think the paradox is uh, if you, for example, look at the performance of the global agencies, they not only have seen quite strong growth around 5% this year so far, um, I'm talking about for their annual forecast, but you saw several of them upgrade at the Q1 after the start of the Ukraine war. And we're just at the start of the Q2 reporting season, so halfway through the year. We've already had one agency group, Omnicom, come out with its numbers. And they're talking about the first half of the year up around 11%, the UK up 12%. This is on an organic revenue basis. Mm-hmm. So there's some. I think where we're at is this strange um, cusp, if you like, where suddenly there's more and more inflation in the system. And uh, that uh, a lot of inflation is ultimately hurts consumers. And yet advertising and marketing services have been very resilient. In fact, right since the first few months of the pandemic, the surprise has been after a big plunge, how resilient advertising and marketing services have been. So I think it's a really interesting time. We're at the start of thrifty times, but how much will the ad industry suffer in particular, is a debatable point. And when we come on to the bellwether, I think what's interesting is the the real question is almost confidence. 
Mm. It, it's a really interesting point, isn't it? It almost feels like, you know, there is a two-paced economy or multi-paced economy. Some industries are probably more impacted than others. And so far, at least, uh, you know, Adland seems to be relatively resilient. Well, I think that's true. And if you start, if you look forward, and I think uh, every business is looking forward, there's what happens in the second half of 2022. And certainly in the UK, we know that the energy price cap is going to go up. That means the cost of the average gas and electricity bill is going to jump significantly in October. And we also know 2023, if you like that, this year, 2022, has benefited a little bit, I think, from the fact that the start of 2021, we were in lockdown. So the economy is opening up. Again, some of that's in the bellwether. But... 2023, there won't be those comparisons, favourable or otherwise. And also, let's say the advertising market and the agency sector is up 5% in 2022. That's quite a high bar to then grow again in 2023. And as you point out, it's a really good contextual point as well, is that a lot of the figures that we've seen, there's probably still a bit of, you know, like for like recovery um, in, we, we into those figures, um, aren't there? When we're looking at going forward, you know, we're comparing, you know, post pandemic to post pandemic. So that, that in itself uh, might tell a different tale. Now, Paul, the latest bill where the report, you know, is, is rather downbeat, uh, I think it's fair to say. What are some of the key takeaways from it? Yeah, it is, it is quite downbeat. I mean, I, I think before I, I talk about that, it's probably worth, because things are changing quickly in the marketplace, just, just noting that these um, findings are, are drawn from interviews with, I think, about 400 marketing people that have control over advertising budgets. Mm-hmm. These, these actual interviews were, were, were completed in, in the last two weeks of June. So um, they, will, they will have been impacted, I'm sure, by the ever-changing sort of economic doomsayers uh, that, that, we're, that we're hearing about more or less every time we turn on the news or listen to uh, the radio. So um, with that in mind, uh, what we're seeing is a real, uh, whilst there's been an increase, uh, more saying that the, you know, that growth is there in the first half of this year than saying it's not there. We're seeing an overall increase in people worrying about the financial prospects for their own company um, looking ahead. Um, and, and here, I think, particularly into 23. So the, the, the sort of headline from my point of view, and I know this is slightly contentious given what Gideon was saying about some of the big advertising groups predicting fairly robust growth, is that we're looking, according to the Bellwether report, at, and this is inflation adjusted, about 0.8% for 23 uh, growth. So that's pretty much staying as we are, uh, which after a couple of years of going, you know, gangbusters is is a worry um so um you know in overall terms the, the um the growth by category it was noticeable that what we might call main media sector was flat um event marketing was up that was a big winner uh, i think this was just a return to more face-to-face interaction with consumers uh, after being in lockdown for so long um i think pr was up a bit but you know out of home was down I mean, this is this is actually over the first two quarters of this year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, direct marketing suffered. 
the, you know, it, it's, it is after a couple of years of surprisingly upbeat reports, this is um, pretty, pretty gloomy. Okay. Well, what are some of the main drivers uh, that are sort of causing marketers um, concern and, and, and sort of stagnating some of these forecasts? Well, inflation's the big, um, the big scary one. I mean, you know, because it's pushing up costs for businesses everywhere, and that that goes right through the whole supply chain, energy in particular. Uh, you've got the war in Ukraine that's already been mentioned that's not showing any signs of going away, and you know, I I don't know, I don't think anyone knows quite what Russia's tactics are with regard to energy for Europe, um, but. You know, when this warm weather goes and people start drawing down on on heating and, and, and so on, we're going to see what their strategy is there. But, you know, there is definitely a sense amongst the advertising agency community that their clients are coming to them and saying, our costs are rising everywhere. We can't pass it all on. Uh, and, you know, you guys are going to have to help us deal with that. And, you know, that led to us, the IPA, mentioning recently that, you know, agencies you know, operating on such narrow margins that they're going to have to push back if clients come in and say, we want you to also take a hit on on, on these difficult times. So it's all the things you hear about every day that, that are causing these um, downbeat forecasts. Vicky, can I bring you in? Because obviously Paul's mentioned clients and in your role, what are clients telling you? And I don't know if you want to name any clients, but perhaps uh, sectors, it, it's, it's not going to be one single picture, but what are they telling you? Sure. I mean, there's a huge amount of volatility. Um, I work with kind of everything from fashion brands to gaming um, and a lot of econ brands. And there's there's kind of a lot of volatility in the market. Um, you know, marketeers are really struggling to understand what's going to happen in a month's time. Um, we're doing a lot of scenario planning, contingency planning. Um, and that goes back to those margins that you just mentioned, really. Well, you know, it's actually really difficult for us to do that because actually the work that we're doing doesn't necessarily then contribute to a marketing spend at the end of it, um, which is certainly a challenge that we're facing at the moment. And I think there's, you know, an increased sort of short-term view on the market. Um, and it's something that we're trying to help our clients shift around um, with a, f- a framework called Now Next Future. So looking at those cultural trends, understanding actually how do we need to adapt to the now, but thinking about the long term, um, because hopefully, you know, we're going to get out of this crisis at, uh, at some point soon. Yeah, Vicky, in terms of clients uh, coming to you, and uh, are you noticing clients uh, sort of, you know, asking agencies, your own, for example, uh, to absorb some of the cost? And, and if so, how are you sort of mitigating against that? We've had, I've had a lot of conversations um, about you know, the government scheme um, to divert marketing spend to cost of product. That's interesting. And I think um, the the reality is that obviously I think that the benefits of the consumer when by the time you've split that marketing spend down to the product, you know it's going to be really men- minimal benefit, but actually the impact that has on a brand long term and the, the industry as a whole is is huge. Um, so I think actually that was a very short term view from the government to suggest to do something like that. Um, but yeah, those I guess those are the, most of the conversations and pushbacks that we're getting at the moment actually should we be spending. Um, and we very much have the view that actually, you know, this is your time to really drive that share of voice and, and share of wallet uh, when it's become becoming even more competitive. Just, just out of interest, when you do have those conversations about, you know, uh, diverting some of the marketing spend in, in, into price cuts uh, and you sort of, you know, 
you, you discuss with clients why this isn't a good idea. Are clients generally swayed by your by your um, discussions? Are, are they are they turning around and saying, "Well, actually, yeah, you're right," or are you still getting some clients digging their heels in and saying, "Well, actually, no, what the government is saying is makes more sense." I think, to be honest, as soon as you kind of follow up that the, the conversations we've had, uh, uh, that they they would much rather spend it in, in long term brand savings and growth. Um, you know, it, 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 when you kind of crunch the numbers, it seems bonkers that if you work on an FMCG brand, we're talking about a couple of P per product. And the reality is that consumers aren't necessarily going to even see that because you can't price fix with retailers anyway. So you can just change your recommended retail price, but that doesn't actually affect the, the, the end cost to the consumer. Hmm. Now, Paul, in, in this latest Bellwether report, you actually, you know, the RPA actually recommends that, you know, uh, advertisers need to be thinking about investing or continue to invest in brand and, and that sort of stuff when, when times are lean because it helps them on the other side. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, we've got quite a lot of data on this now. Um, and, um, you know, I've got to say it's overwhelming, the evidence that those, those brands that hold their nerve um, during difficult times and continue to spend uh, benefit in the long run quite noticeably. And in fact, sometimes it's just a question of spending what you said you would spend because with others around you spending less, your, your share of voice goes up. Um, and, um, you know, the, we've got plenty of work, notably from Field and Burnett, um, who are our sort of go-to academics on, on this matter, mm. that shows that your, your, and it's not even the longer term, your medium term performance is going to be enhanced dramatically if you continue to spend uh, during difficult financial times. Um, in fact, I can tell you an interesting anecdote which really really does prove this point, uh, which is not widely known, and that is that during the dark days of the Second World War, um, there were some trade, uh, various trade associations started to produce brands that were debranded. So, for example, all the soft drinks firms produced soft drinks together and they stopped, they stopped marketing them under their individual brand names. Now, during this time, one brand, and that was Schweppes, continued to advertise, even though you couldn't buy Schweppes products for most of the Second World War. They continued to advertise Schweppes. And after the war, their brand share, I can't remember the number, but it was a, such a dramatic increase when these various brands came back on sale. Mm -hmm. It was a sort of the, the perfect example of what we're talking about, that if you, you, know, if you hold your nerve, you, you do benefit in the medium, not only in the long run. Okay. I just want to um, come back to the Bellwether report. What's, what's really interesting about um, this Bellwether report is how it sort of contrasts with some agency results. And not just agency results, but also some of the forecasts that are coming out of some of these advertising groups. Uh, you know, as Gideon mentioned earlier, Omnicom has reported strong organic growth of 12% in the UK. Um, but also we've seen from um, Dentsu, Group M and Zenith's forecasts that ad spend growth in 2023 is predicted. I think Dentsu had it at 5.9% in 2023 and in 2024, 5.7%. Paul, why do you think there is this disconnect between what marketers and media buyers report and who should we trust? <laughs> well, I, I don't know why there is the difference. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not privy to all of the uh, timings and thinkings that go into how these forecasts are put together. But I do think, 
I'll mention timing again, because I think that the, the situation we're in at the moment is changing very rapidly. So it is conceivable that some of these forecasts were made uh, a few months ago, uh, and then as a result of that might have been a touch more opt op op optimistic than, than the Bellwether report. What I will say as a general, as a general sort of uh, sort of comment, and that and and that's this: that the um, that the advertising uh, sort of spend levels always, without fail, prove to be something of a litmus test to what's going on in the economy at large. Um, so that you know, if we do believe that um, we're going to face a very very difficult economic twenty three. It's, it strikes me as being a little bit unlikely that, that we'll see real growth in terms of advertising spend during that time. Just, I'm just basing that on past experience. I mean, I would exempt what happened after, immediately after the pandemic because I think that was literally a one-off. And I think that the money did come back very quickly then, much more quickly than a lot of commentators thought. But I think they, they were very unusual times. I think if, we, if we're just looking more at a difficult financial picture going forward. I personally, looking at all my experience, I would expect little growth in the advertising uh, total spend. Okay, Vicky, I just wanted to get your view on this. Uh, the Seven Stars is an independent media agency, so you're not tied within any of the holding groups. Well, what is your general sentiment or the sentiment within your agency about what ad spend might look like? Sure. I mean, you know, as we were talking about then, there's a, there's a huge amount of volatility, right? So I think um, when we start to plan out the year, we can see and we plan out those ideal budgets. And actually, the reality is that those budgets are being cut very last minute, even when they've been committed to media owners and we're having to change things around. So, you know, as an agency, we're always thinking about updating, refreshing the view. Um, you know, we've only just been talking, at the moment, like literally just come out of the meeting, actually talking about um, what our, our finance view is for the year. And we're kind of doing it on a two-week basis because, you know, everything is changing so rapidly. We're just having to be really agile around planning around it. Um, this is a question for both of you. Um, and maybe we'll start with you, Vicky, and then, Paul, you can generalise. The you know, I'm aware that all agencies have been looking to diversify and go beyond, say, paid media and what's uh, measured through sort of traditional ad expenditure. And there's many different types of uh, marketing service that agencies are providing. Uh, Vicky, how much has that been a source of um, resilience for you and maybe um, a potential for growth? So I, I could think of anything from retail media to sort of working with influencers, um, pharmaceutical, marketing, data, yeah, there's all kinds of areas which might not be, if you like, paid measured media. Sure. Um, I guess the, the kind of the ethos of the way that we work is, is none of us are targeted on selling any anything out of scope. Um, so actually, the way that we, we um, approach things is if it genuinely adds business, value to our clients' businesses. Um, but yeah, we do have out of scope products. I think um, there has been a real push from us this year to drive that creativity. Um, so come with some of our partnerships teams and we have a kind of production studios in-house. Um, and there's a, a real kind of push for that. As we're going into this world, right, where there is a, a kind of deeper share of wallet 
competition going on actually that that creativity and really standing out and it's not about necessarily spending more but driving attention on what we're doing is increasingly important Um, and being able to pull all agencies together and have a kind of key agency that are pulling in the creative agency PR and our partnerships team for example to create this this concept I think is something that we're seeing um, big growth in. Hmm. And Paul, I'm not sure necessarily that the bellwether captures this, but it has, if you like, the agency uh, addressable market got wider. Is that a, a clue, perhaps, whether for better or worse, maybe moving beyond, say, um, retained creative and media accounts? I think I think that most businesses in the advertising agency sector will definitely have that as a as, as a sort of strategy because um you know the sheer fact of the matter is that relying solely on you know more traditional areas of your expertise um it gets harder and harder you know as, as because already mentioned the share of, of of the available wallet out there is it, it gets harder to fight for you know growth of that so i think it you know it it is happening to what extent it's making a you know a significant difference at the moment i i i probably say not much yet, although there may be, we may see changes in the longer term. I certainly think that um, there is an argument for agencies to make to clients that the talent they have, you know, within their buildings to, you know, turn to some of the problems that clients are facing, you know, definitely go beyond the normal scope of what you'd expect from an advertising agency. Um, And, you know, and what, what most people are going to be looking for as we get through these difficult times, is some form of growth because you know you can only you can only cut away at your costs for so long before you start hurting. So, given that that's what we're good at, we're good at creative ideas that that lead to demand and, and stimulate behaviour in consumers. There, there's got to be an argument for more of that from from agencies. But I'd say at the moment it's a small and growing thing, but not not significant yet. Hmm. Well. It, it, I realise that, like most businesses, agencies don't always disclose that much information. But uh, just one small observation, Omnicom said in their latest results that precision marketing, which I think of as sort of CRM and performance marketing, has gone from their sixth to their third biggest revenue source. So uh, that's, uh, I think, over... A number of years, I think over three years since pre-pandemic. So I saw that as an interesting thing. Uh, Paul, you last month you came out and you actually talked about the fact that agencies are going to need to put up rates. It's it, given the level of inflation, talent, and so on, talent costs. Um, in theory, that might be a, a positive. After all, we've been in a very low inflation environment for a long time and it's there's been procurement and other pressure on agencies what what's your what are the pros and cons the risks and the benefits of this uh, i guess opportunity and necessity to increase fee well yeah i think it's um it's more of a necessity um than an opportunity uh as you've said a procurement uh if I can generalize it as a movement across um, the advertiser community, it has been on the march for many years now. And a lot of agencies have found themselves operating um, on fees that they would prefer 
not to operate or not simply because everyone wants more money, but because it's, you know, it's hurting, it's hurting the way in which they structure their agencies. They're having to provide less by way of people's services and expertise um, so that they can make a decent margin on what the clients are prepared to pay. So um, I think we come to, you know, we come to that difficult moment, or certainly an inflation has exacerbated this, as has the talent crisis. Because, you know, not only have you got the problem with inflation, but you've got quite a lot of um, agencies having to really pay above the odds, if you like, to attract people or keep people in their, in their companies who are being, uh, you know, in a market where they're, you know, uh, supply is being outstripped by demand. They're, they're finding it easier to move around and get jobs elsewhere. These things, it's a perfect storm really for agencies and, and they're going to have to bite the bullet with, with some of their clients. Now, it's tough, you know, to answer your question, it's tough to do that because you, the, immediate, the immediate response from many clients might be, well, I'll find someone who will do it for this price if you don't. And that's where those agencies that have got good brands in their own right, you know, will do better because, you know, when you have the, qual- the quality operators in the market all saying the same thing, then I think most of the sensible clients are going to recognize that, you know, this is something they're going to have to deal with. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's much of an opportunity, to be honest, and other than it might encourage, it might encourage agencies to be more resistant to the client's endless demands to, you know, push costs down in every conceivable way. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, Vicky, in terms of that that whole dynamic between um, you know what agencies can absorb and and the need to push back, the need to increase fees, or, or how agencies are being remunerated. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, from the the more recent contracts that we've been talking about, I think um, you know putting that that fear of risk um, and discussing honestly about you know contributing to business goals and stuff like that is is something that we're we're really keen to do. Um, but it, it, but it is a challenge, right? Um, and we are going through a bit of a change. And, you know, it's about, it's really difficult to motivate teams through this and navigate them through this change. And the reality is it is resulting in, you know, this churn. Um, but the reality is we, what we need to try and do is create that culture within our agencies. And in turn, you know, we'll have a better retention of the, of our teams on those clients and therefore better knowledge of how those clients work and therefore less churn in the total market. So it's kind of all connected to each other. Yeah, I'd like to add something Vicky said there, which is not, this is me really talking to any any advertisers that use agencies that might be listening. It it is not the case that, um, you know, if you you negotiate a really, should we say, from your point of view, good deal with an agency, a poor deal from the agency's point of view, it's not the case that all clients are treated the same in agencies. It gets around very quickly which which clients are not are not paying a good price for what they're getting, and it leads to you know the best teams not working necessarily on that business. So it's a it's an act of self harm really to to go in and and negotiate down and down and down with your agency. You know you really won't get the best out of them as a result. Yeah, very interesting. And and just picking up on what both of you were saying. Uh, in my uh, column, I did point out that I think that there are a good number of advertisers that have recognized, particularly when you think of the shock of the pandemic, what happens if you are investing for the long term versus not? And it can be really a false economy to cut. 
your investment in your brand. And uh, two companies that have told their shareholders this, which I think is interesting, is uh, Diageo and Danone. And Diageo has been investing in marketing ahead of revenue and has had strong revenue growth. That's obviously in the drink sector. And Danone, I think more significantly, actually did a bit of a mea culpa to investors and said, we've been underinvesting in our brands. We've lost market share. And uh, to me, that's a pretty powerful that brands are almost, if you like, making the case to investors that they need to advertise in brand, that they need to, that it's not a cost, it's actually a, a real investment. So uh, to me, those are positives. And in a high inflation market, the interesting question is, do brands invest? Because that's a way to justify to consumers the higher value of these high inequality products. Yeah, and I'd, I'd add to that, Gideon, as well, to say that, um, and I'm sure most, most um CEOs and their chief financial officers know this, but most of the analysts out there will be doing, will be looking at those sums and measuring the support that uh, companies give their brands. And they're very quick to, you know, to attack companies when they do that. So it's, it's an enlightened self-interest, I think, on the part of the known to, to put their hands up on that one. Um, you know, you can't get away with it. The analysts will spot it if you start the investing. I was just going to add, add a bit of colour to that because actually we're, we're getting a lot of pressure um, from from clients' internal teams kind of pushing their brand spend towards performance, thinking about that short term. And actually marketeers are really struggling to kind of push back internally and say, no, we need to think, be thinking about the, the you know, our brand cons. Um, and we're, we're pretty much having to do that across the board. And in turn, that's what's resulting in some of those performance inflation figures we're seeing as well. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Um, also, it's very uncertain. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, Gideon, um, in the coming months um, and years. Do you have any sort of concluding thoughts or observations? Well, I'm going to come back to something I said at the start, and I'm um, not trying to uh, be overly optimistic, but most analysts and forecasters from the start of the pandemic have been so far overly pessimistic about the fortunes particularly of the advertising and marketing services sector and i think that so far that it has even in 2022 things have turned out better than expected and I think we'll continue to see that in some of the Q2 results that as they come out. The you know the question really is about 2023. Um, I'm sad to say in the week where the UK hit 40 centigrade for the first time, that just as things have been perhaps better than expected overall in the last couple of years, it's hard to know where 2023, how it plays out. And therefore... Perhaps we the challenge for everybody is just we're in uncertain times. Indeed, we are in very uncertain times. And let's hope as the sunshine goes away, there aren't too many clouds for Adland on the horizon. Thank you so much, Gideon, Vicky and Paul for joining the podcast today. If you'd like to read more about the Bellwether Report and other market trends we've been discussing, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership, where you can subscribe and stay up to date with everything that's going on in Adland. Likewise, if you enjoyed this episode, 
episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Campaign Podcast is produced by Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. Thank you all for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the Campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.